riffs. Hansvett. Good afternoon, or good morning, or good night, or whenever you're listening, and welcome to Gain It For Riffs, another new episode coming up. I'm in Stockholm as usual, ready with my electric, and from what I can hear, Ole is ready with his acoustic over in Amsterdam. Well, I am, but I'm also ready with my um, electric guitar, because I'm going for a... uh, well, I'm not going to say it, but if you're uh, like me, you're aware of what's going on. You heard music from the last 20 years. Maybe you're into a little bit of rock and roll. Then maybe, just maybe, listener, dear listener, you know what's coming. So, uh, but I keep it uh, <laughs> uh, in my uh, underneath my belt for a little while longer. I just wanted to check how are we doing doing pretty good it's been another break from recording i guess but i haven't felt like we've had a like a stopping period for the podcast at large because it's been quite a lot of activity in terms of editing the old episodes releasing them and updating the instagram with fun stuff and uh, just we've had more i guess a little bit more contact with uh, with listeners lately as well so feels like the pod is alive and well and uh, yeah i've got a mutilated index finger today on my left hand <laughs> So I'm like I'm taking taking the left hand path together with Tony Iommi, you could say. I um, I tried out as a bass player for this uh, Doom Death Band yesterday. It was an interesting audition, I must say. I came totally unprepared, and the guys are not overly social, <laughs> so they're like, "Okay, we're, go- <laughs> we're gonna play the set. Uh, so let's let's go." They didn't give me any briefing or say anything. They just counted it in, and then we played for an hour without talking. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's so true. weird yeah. i wanted to ask you about this because uh, yesterday yeah. you told me uh oh, it went good right yeah it went well it went well except for two songs i could have done that on stage and i wouldn't have been the least ashamed i would have been proud of most of it you know i was i've been jamming quite a bit lately so i tried to do it by ear and most of it was in 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 b <laughs> you know in the key of b <laughs> and i was in drop b on a four string bass because five string basses are also forbidden in that band Okay. No five-string yeah, yeah. bass. So I, I guess that's kind of... Wouldn't you agree almost with that? Like It's an aesthetic choice for sure when, you, uh, when you're when you not okay with the five-string bass. Because, I mean, you um, 
you kind of uh, you, you make it easier for yourself by having that range of frequencies i think but uh if you want to be a bit more uh, you know real or uh, how do you say it uh, true true perhaps yeah. i would say <laughs> true yeah. 70s true retro then it's a four string bass all the way yeah uh, I, I guess this is five string maybe like connotates uh like fusion or maybe some kind of gent. I mean, they have even worse stuff going on there. But uh, uh, gent, dear listener, will return to that hopefully uh, a long time from now, so I can prepare myself. Yeah, yeah. I guess this isn't. Um, this wouldn't be like a '70s doom or anything, but maybe late '80s, early '90s kind of uh, death metal, like non-technical death metal, and also slow. That's why I added doom. But yeah, long story short, I played for an hour and I got really into it, and then afterwards I saw that my my index finger was kind of flayed. Uh, what's the word? Flayed. Mutilated. I mean, you had <laughs> mutilated by by strings, and now I, I made this <sighs> makeshift solution now with tape around it, so I uh, I can play. I can play today, and uh, the episode is saved. So how are you doing? <laughs> no mutilated fingers. Uh, no mutilated fingers. Uh, I'm just uh, happily riffing away. I've been preparing uh, for this episode. And I had really a lot of fun doing it. And uh, maybe I'll just uh, start us off with the riff of the of the week. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> of course girls 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 by motley crew exactly how could you not recognize it (laughs) (laughs) i mean is his wallet leather is his wallet fat for another year later he's got you lying on your back it's the regulator by clutch yeah this uh, was this was not regulator uh though Okay. It was uh, Electric Worry. Oh, shit, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Which I should have recognized. Yeah. Yeah, wait, wait. wait. Yeah. Bang, 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 bang. Dominoes, dominoes. Bang, bang, bang. Dominoes, dominoes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you play the yeah. regulator in the intro. I didn't want to spoil it already in the, in the, in the intro talk, but uh, that, that was the regulator, so I was stuck there. And that, both of them have this common vein uh, one is from um, from bill street to oblivion this one electric worry and then mm. the other one is from a previous album blast tyrant by clutch and yeah. uh, they're yeah, both exactly. based on you're uh, gonna get to it but they're both both kind of based on traditional blues style stuff kind of yeah. interpreted so. yeah and it's interesting because i think the this band has uh, a few different sides but um uh, 
uh, I wanted to focus on the the period that I find. I think you agree that three albums, Blast Tyrant, um, Robot Hive, Exodus, and Biala Street to Oblivion, I think when they were at their peak, uh, yeah. making all the best songs, all the most danceable hits, and kind of mixing all the blues, uh, some, uh, I would say, rather spoken word than rap, but uh, lit, uh, he has that uh, swagger, Neil Fallon, the singer. I mean, he, uh, uh, it was, they really started off very um, uh, vocal-based, with, bo- vocal based, uh, with uh, guitars that were really like um, extremely basic to the point of uh, not even being there, like in their, their <laughs> hit, uh, our hit, uh, uh, this one, uh, Cypress Groove. I mean, it's really idiotic, yeah. uh, super simple, uh, keeping within the smallest box uh, yeah, minimal. <laughs> available on the guitar. <laughs> sure, minimal. I mean, it's interesting with Clutch, because I think at the time when you introduced me to Clutch, among many other bands, as you, dear listener, might know by now, but um, with Clutch, they came in at a time when I was absolutely sick of this, uh, getting sick of this kind of stoner sound or Black Sabbath mm. worship and whatnot. And remember, you told me like, "Yeah, check out Clutch." And I was like, "Nah, shit sucks." <laughs> and you're you're insisting, <laughs> you're insisting, like, "No, come on, check it out." It's like the band is called Clutch. It's probably some old like mo- boring motor style stoner from from the states again, you know. And and then you put on mm-hmm. it was the regulator and it was live with video even, and it was oh. very easily convincing. And it's still, you know, they are within these boxes, as you said, like. <laughs> That all, those could be the notes for a full song, but they yeah. have they have uh, what I would call a nerve to it, and also they have one of the best drummers in rock. Mm. I love drummers, as you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have the same lineup since they started. They Neil Fallon came Neil Fallon came in a little bit later, but other than that, they had the same. Uh, they've been the same four piece with some uh, extended uh, extra members uh, here and there, but. Uh, which really like cemented their sound early. I mean that it's really about the groove, uh, yeah. not so much about fancy notes and uh, yeah, fancy playing. But I think uh, they do a lot with what they have. So, for instance, I'll just play a little bit from um, uh, from the intro riff and from Electric Worry. Uh, that is so nice. I won't sing again, but uh, it's so nicely. Uh, it really uses. Uh, these blues notes, like yeah, it's, yeah. it's just perfect. I think. Uh. Yeah, and. Um, really fun to play also and I, I thought about uh, bringing it in for a long time but I also thought about which uh, 
clutch song to uh, sure. to pick. But then uh, last week, I mean, now we're always ahead recording. But last week I heard uh, episode episode <laughs> with Antum. Then I, I was singing this uh, uh, the in the the intro to uh, Mercury. And if I how long can we? We can't wait any longer. We have to uh, yeah, we have to exactly. bring in some. Uh, Clutch. So, um, yeah, and, and uh, why, why not uh, just uh, go full tilt? I mean, this uh, this riff is too good not to play. That break is so good, and I, I think it's a unifying band in a sense. Clutch from uh, from from my in my life, I guess, because a lot of people that a lot of my friends don't have my music taste. They may, might not be into metal or hard rock at all. But mm. Clutch, everyone can kind of find their way into it. They've got elements of hip hop in there and very basic rock, you know, with these boxes, and it's it's kind of like. Um, it's a bit like Rage Against the Machine in that sense that it's super groove oriented mm. and very vocal and uh, and, and um, beat driven music. And but interestingly enough, I think uh, a couple, I've seen a couple of comments that our favorite favorite period of this band, the three records from Yeah Blast Tyrant, um, Robot Hive Exodus, and Bale Street to Oblivion, are considered by some like kind of a, a, de- a departure from the real clutch sound. And then they got back mm, to it mm. because they started out as a kind of hardcore outfit, you know. <laughs> a shogun named Marcus that, that's, and whatnot. Yeah, it's <laughs> maybe you have more on that later. Bit, but yeah, but uh, it's, so some bit, people some bit, people uh, believe it's kind of different. kind of the load reload era of, of of clutch. But for me, it's <laughs> for me it's my clutch. That's that's the clutch I'm used yeah. to. Everything else is a departure from that. So I don't know what would you <laughs> what would you chime in on that? Yeah, I I got my first clutch record. Um, yeah, is it just called Clutch? It has. Um, Big news and uh, space grass and uh, what's it called? Uh, escape, escape from the prison planet that I listened to a lot. I, I bought it in mm. when I was in New York with my family. <laughs> it was one of the oh, cool. uh, thirty-five records I bought, uh, w- w- of which sixteen were Melvin's records. <laughs> it was just. <laughs> this was the same year that you bought oh, your yeah. faded SG, right? Your your Gibson SG. I also bought my then my fa- the best guitar I ever owned. I think the my first guitar or my second guitar, this um, cherry red uh, Gibson SG. It was, was a just steel, uh, right? it was playing like, like a dream, and we used it uh, when we played in John Loth, and yeah. uh, it just was great all the time. 
like, but uh, I sold it for some stupid reason. Very cheap too. Like the dollar was was dirt cheap at the time. I think, and it was only like five hundred bucks or something, maybe five thousand yeah. Swedish. Yeah, yeah, it's a good guitar for uh, and uh, like from and like two thousand something like that. They still made good guitars here and there, and I got a really good, uh, good one. So yeah. I was lucky. But I remember I was at Guitar Center with my brother, and I was sitting, being very self conscious of um, playing, and then some some dude in uh, maybe he was fifty five, you know, in in mm. uh, with bald. Bald, but with long hair. You know that. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean. Scarlet, <laughs> tinted, tinted glasses. Came over like a way too long military jacket. Uh, he came over and he was like, "Yeah, dude, I just saw, uh, um, just saw Ricky Betts play one of those down in Alabama or something." And then, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you should really get it. Super good guitar. And I was like, "Oh, yeah, okay, let's all, I'll get it." <laughs> <laughs> and I think, but I think I've spent most time. I think that was kind of smart. I spent the most time not trying the guitar, but looking at the different patterns of. The, they had several. You know, mm. guitar center is huge, so you could really pick like uh, which sherry. Uh, like uh, you know, you see the wood grain. So yeah. which grain do you want? Like that's uh, that was the second question from the uh, from the employee. Like the first was like, what guitar do you want? Like, uh, oh, I think a Gibson SG is pretty cool. So also, what wood grain? But uh, I don't know what you mean. But uh, I, I'll do what you say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but then much. I actually picked one that looked pretty good. Yeah, I was absurdly intimidated I when I was uh, guitar shopping in the beginning. I remember when I bought my first guitar that. He asked, like, okay, you want to try it? Try it? And I said, like, Ugh, can't really play, man. Could you try it for me? <laughs> and he, he, picks up the guitar, he picks up the guitar and he's just shredding away. And I'm like, okay, that's probably a good guitar. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. go ahead and buy that. And actually, it wasn't a good guitar, so that guy could really play because oh, no. he made it sound good. But anyway, it's, oh, yeah. that's history now. And, um, yeah, it's just uh, I was never the guy that sits in a in a guitar center or guitar shop playing so that everyone can hear it. Even today, I try and find the shops that have these um, isolated tryout uh, boots. Yes, I can't stand being in there, sitting there and destroying the um, audio landscape for everybody. (laughs) Well, I remember now there was a, uh, went to another store also before I bought my guitar, I went to a store in, What's it called? Where all the hipsters lived in the sixties, uh, Greenwich Village in the on the east side of Manhattan, and there was a guitar store there. And I went in and I started playing. I think I played some kind of Melvin's riff. And then my parents came in and said, "Oh, is it you playing?" So we heard you down the block, and they had the <laughs> had speakers out to the street. <laughs> this one I, I remember. I was, I was instantly turned like red as a beet, and uh, <laughs> I remember this very well because your father used this for content for his, one of his speeches on a on a <laughs> birthday party. <laughs> he was like, uh, yeah. "Yeah, I was painting this picture of, uh, of Eastern Manhattan." Or was it not? Yeah, and and like, yeah. and he said, like, out on the streets came these Norland, Norlandsk punk, <laughs> <laughs> which probably wasn't what you were playing, but that was his. I was probably what it sounded like. Yeah. It was pretty, <laughs> so, pretty close. Yeah, he I guess. He, he, had, he thought it sounded like uh, typical riffs from from the northernmost counties of Sweden, punk rock riffs. <laughs> He has never heard that kind of music. No, but, uh, no, but I, I mean, he's, but still, probably, he's making a quick calculation in his head, right? And uh, yeah. yeah, that's why he's pretty good story- storyteller. I mean, it could could have been a refused uh, new noise. True, could have been, true. you know, yeah, not too far away. 
Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> Escape from the Prison Planet. That's where we were. That's a good song. I like that song. Actually, I like quite a lot yeah. of the old Clutch songs from albums that are not even close to me. Clutch is not yeah. the kind of band that I need to study or, you know, immerse myself in. No. Uh, I can just put it on and I will probably dig it. It really works yeah. quite often. And uh, like, I haven't listened to them in the last few albums, but if I pick one of them out, I can usually find one or two songs that I really rock out to. And then maybe four or five that are good songs. So, I mean, it's, for, for me, it's an easy band to enjoy. It's good entertainment, plain and simple, and great lyrics. Um, Neil is like, he's got a major in English literature, I think. And, uh, you know, he's got words. Definitely. Uh, also fun, uh, I think the, the difference in um, lyrical content sometimes, is they really go for this stupid beer brawl, like in The Mob Goes Wild. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like what yeah. that song player. is... Uh, a power player um and then there's uh, songs like regulator and i think uh, i mean gravel road uh, maybe electric worry as well i mean it's uh, there's some content there and uh, i think uh, a song like la, la curandera is a really beautiful song even though it's like really a um, hard rock song it has like really beautiful lyrics and uh, i'm not going to sing any more from from that but uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's really like, when you think about Clutch, you think about Neil first and his beard, uh, which yeah. uh, goes without saying is epic. Uh, I just have to... Burning Beard, also, uh, I think, a uh, highlight from their Lobster career. Lobster Bucks attack the town again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this Burning Beard, I have come undone. It's just as I feared. I have, I have come undone. It's cool. Uh, really uh, great lyrics, great delivery, great uh, phrasing. Yeah, and uh, speaking of uh, them being uh, using... Uh, small i guess small means or something like minimalistic means to achieve great results as you said before in this song you have a part that i really dig and it's like the power of the holy ghost woof, woof, woof. <laughs> the power of the holy ghost comes to town or something and then in, yeah and he does this thing which is one low note which is kind of him levitating he's leaving the ground like mm. oh yeah 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 and he does in the video that's i always thought that was awesome yeah, and then the yeah. woof 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 uh, I like too. That song, uh, he's very good at doing this kind of. Uh, I'm struggling to find the words for this, but uh, he's kind of picking a. He's making a scene. But he, he, oh, he can play a character maybe. Like in Power Player in Business Class, uh, with the, mm. uh, you know, yeah, just a scene from an, from a flight really. I think from real life, and mm. then uh, yeah, he, he paints good a little movie. It's cinematic sometimes somehow I think. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, and from from the electric worry, uh, really remember this when when he also kind of gives credence to the story by um, 
uh, invoking like a real uh, real person like uh, if I had money like Henry Ford Lord have me a woman yeah on every road like uh, yeah okay you know Henry Ford is a rich guy but he's also like okay the talk uh, like into deeper Americana roots and um, I think there was a, a rule uh, I think Keith Richards used to say that, uh, or Mick Jagger maybe, that if you're writing a song about a woman, it shouldn't just be a baby or a woman. The woman should have a specific name, like mm. Angie, of course. I mean, that really like cements um, the realness. You know, you make, and even though it's maybe sure. a woman you never, who had a name, who, had a, who has a name that you never met, it still like cements it in reality. And uh, yeah, I like this in this song. Layla. Uh, and then you have example. like uh, Escape from the Prison Planet, which is like, Escape from the Prison Planet. <laughs> Escape from the Planet of the Apes. You know what this What is it about? Science fiction? <laughs> fantasy? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, they do a bit of that too, like um, vintage science fiction type things. And what is that album called? It's after we kind of stopped listening to them, but it's uh, Psychic Warfare, I think it's called, mm. or something like that. One of the later, yeah. Yeah, and the, the the opening tune is Psychic Warfare, it's the title track, and that's also really cool. It just starts, it's kind of like you, you hear that someone is talking probably in an interrogation room or something, or, you know, mm. uh, speaking his piece, like, it, this is how it began. I came out here, uh, dropped a suitcase here, and, you know, it, he kind of repaints the scene from what might have been uh, some type of criminal activity or some type of counter-terrorism, mm-hmm. or because I think it's all yeah. about this old-school style of uh, being being supervised. Which mm. uh, you know, like uh, he he mentions Ronald Reagan, Ronald and Maggie Reagan in the song <laughs> that mm. they can hear mm. everything. So it's this kind of paranoid dude, you know. That yeah, but like, I mean, uh, it's uh, they got eyes I everywhere. He, he, they got eyes and ears everywhere, and uh, you know, and he's <laughs> he's doing counter terrorism or something. And what were you yeah. going to say? But I think he always likes to get some UFOs in there. He likes the science fiction, the uh, the simple man's uh, yeah. conspiracy theories. I mean, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't believe in it, but he thinks it's funny. You know, like this is maybe someone believes in it, and then it's an extra layer for the lyrics. Um, Somehow Tarantino-esque. I feel a little bit of Tarantino mm. uh, in in a, in a in a way at least. I mean, not that it's yeah. the same, but they both have this kind of picking these cool topics. You know, like kind of mm. cheesy cool, like UFOs or uh, you know, there's always like an edge of humor to it without mm. being very it's not really jokes or anything like that but it is like an edge of humor or maybe glimt in got, you know yeah with a glint uh, uh, a glimmer in his eye yeah uh, a little glimmer like so, yeah yeah and that maybe brings me to uh, the star of this show because it's about riffs uh, tim salt the guitarist that's uh, right long time guitarist of clutch uh very like stand still on the stage just does his thing and it's just like keeping keeping the lock in with the groove of uh, uh bass player i want to see he's called dan but i'm not sure and uh, jean paul uh, behind the drums that they really uh, like lock into this groove that um neil fallon can you know also lock into or kind of float above uh but uh, yeah. yeah, but I, just his. Uh, what, what do you think about his guitar playing? I think it's interesting. Uh, first of all, what you have to address first is the the fact that they kind of standing like flagpoles on each side of the stage yeah. and, the, and the bass player, mm-hmm. and and uh, I think that's kind of a very natural thing because 
the vibe I get overall from Clutch is that they started out early, which they did when they were quite young, you know. And you just you just want to play music, and it feels like um, quite an organic thing. I don't think they ever sat down and planned like, so, okay, so who's gonna move a lot on stage? Who's gonna lead the show? And who's gonna be the background man? I think they just started out standing like that, you know, shy guys wanting to play music, <laughs> yeah. And they've just kept standing like that. You know what I mean? So yeah. it feels very natural. It feels non-forced in a sense, you know, like uh, mm. the fact that they stand there and they're not trying to be something they're not. And then I think as time progressed, Neil has really developed his. Um, very good stage art history and then you have yeah. um, uh, of course Jean Paul on the drums and he's got this tiny mm. kit so you really see his facial expressions and everything and like, you see the groove in his face so to speak and um, as far as guitar playing goes he's a pretty good guitar player actually it it doesn't mm. show clearly at first sight because uh, it's uh, rudimental stuff it's uh, basic stuff that he's doing but uh, he's a very yes. solid guitar player and he's very into his guitar playing like more than you would imagine even gear yeah yeah so uh, if you indulge me uh, here is the solo from the song <laughs> So uh, yeah. the, the solo rarely becomes more advanced than that. And I think that's fine. Yeah, it's cool. It's kind it's, of riff uh, solos. I yeah, gotta, I, I, would, I would say uh, riff leads, maybe. Riff, leads. Riff, yeah, so, kind of riff solos. The, the other side of the riff lead moon, you know, not the Hetfield mm. side with his heroic Maiden-inspired stuff. This is more like, <laughs> you know, very classic. I have one example too, actually, that, oh, yeah, uh, from uh, Power Player, you know. <laughs> And then the solo is like... Okay, that was hard to do with mutilated fingers, but <laughs> it goes like that. <laughs> yeah, that was a bit painful, to be honest. No, but he often <laughs> does, does this... Does this... Uh, uh, does this thing... Also, in Mercury that I played before was the. And it's almost like the same solo, uh, yeah, but it's just. Uh, it's okay. It works. I, I like it. It's, it's nicely done. You know, it's, it's uh, yeah. definitely with, with taste, you know, and it's, it's not just mm. like a, a random lick as such, but it's always yeah. a rather easy lick. You can tell that he's not practicing arpeggios anytime soon, right? Or sweep picking. It's not uh, no. No. Uh, I can imagine that he knows more than he lets uh, lets us know. You know, like yeah. he, he knows more. He is a good guitar player, but he just like, yeah, this is what fits in clutch. Uh, I haven't listened yeah. so much to them, but there is a, they have this Bakerton, um, uh, what is it called? Bakerton group? This uh, uh, side project with the same yeah. members? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, is, the, is that more advanced or no? It's Not maybe really. The same. No, I don't think so. I haven't Not listened really. much to it. But I saw some. Uh, I saw like Premier Guitar Rig Rundown with him, and I feel that he's oh, kind okay. of this. He's, he's kind of this. Imagine that he was more uh, 
let's say he was into motorsports or motors, you know, <laughs> he would be the guy that kind of really like he's, he's minding his his car in this sense, his guitar rig, like he wants it to really function correctly for clutch. So he's very like careful about yeah. the sound of it, how it's how it's kind of he's very involved with his guitar tech. Let's say he's not just going up on stage, give me the mm. give me the cable, I'm gonna play. So he's more into that, I think. What could you call it? Utility? Yeah. Utility guitar player? You know, like he tries to be a good <laughs> tool for the band. He's not like I'm a guitar artist. You know. Uh, no, like, but it's more like the Ma- Malcolm uh, Malcolm Young. No, what's he called? Um, he's uh, called Malcolm Young, <laughs> the brother of Angus. Malcolm Young. Yeah, Angus. Malcolm yeah, Young. the brother of Angus. Yeah. Malcolm. Uh, it's more of the Malcolm Young school of guitar playing. Yeah, he's more Malcolm than Malcolm, I would say, because Malcolm still like sings okay. a bit and kind of. No, I mean I'm not telling you that you're wrong. You're completely right, but I think he's taking mm. it even one step further. Kind of, you know, it's like or, no one or, should look or at me. Back one step back. <laughs> one step back. That's right. Like, there's no reason to look <laughs> at me. That's what he's projecting. There's no reason whatsoever yeah. to look at me. I'm here to to aid Clutch and uh, take a look at Neil. Take a look at JP. You know, I'm just gonna be here. Uh, I'm gonna help out. And I think he does it well, and you know, it's it's a band that is very easy to like, and very easy to get into. I, as I said, I was kind of trying to leave the whole stoner thing. Not that yeah. Clutch is a typical stoner band, but anyway, I was trying to leave it, and then this yeah. band comes along, and I was so obsessed with it that I started a cover band with you. Uh, that yeah, later became and I played like the bass. A, a band with original <laughs> songs. You played the bass at first, yeah. <laughs> you played the bass at first. We actually had like three or four. Yeah. No, not three or four. Uh, we had a few. Ah, anyway. Doesn't matter. I, ma- I made an extremely stupid uh, song for that band that I kind of like still. <laughs> Do you remember it? <laughs> the Girls with Guns. The, the title and lyrics were, was, was our drummer, You Won the Tank. <laughs> he was, oh, yeah. He even, wrote Girls with Guns. Better. It's typically his aesthetic. It's very much his aesthetic. Yeah. He likes that kind of white trash aesthetic somehow, which is interesting because he's from leading a, like a, rich, a rich commune of, of Stockholm, but he's kind of. That's his tiny little yeah, rebellion. Yeah, but, but uh, Lidingö also has this deep, dark, secret places like Kotla and uh, <laughs> it's weird uh, suburb, kranskommuner of Lidingö within the island that uh, you, you really shouldn't venture at night. So stuff happens there that we don't know about for sure. He kind of went went for this trash culture a little bit, which I which I find uh, you know a bit. Um, admirable somehow you know because you know if, if you're born born rich but you kind of you do what uh, you do what malcolm young did and you kind of just walk back a little bit walk into the alley yeah yeah we recorded uh two songs before this uh, cover band we, we also played with we played with the cover band one time at gula villan in haninge i want to say yeah uh, or something yeah and uh that was really fun I, I got compliments afterwards for my bass playing i remember being really drunk and not hitting one single note correct <laughs> yeah. that was okay because <laughs> yeah, i was absurdly drunk as well i didn't even didn't even have a rig i just took a cable and plugged in and then the amp turned out to be this kind of clean amp so i just put the volume <laughs> up high enough so i played the old gig clean but funnily enough it sounded pretty heavy you know, because sometimes yeah. distortion can can uh, com- compromise your guitar's attack uh, if it's mm. a shitty amp or something. So I had like rich attack, oh, yeah. and your your bass was probably drumbling underneath. So I think that gig might have yeah, been yeah. okay, but it was surely a drunken gig. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, I remember um, uh, we recorded before this this cover band became its own band, Barbus, which I think uh, 
uh, was a really nice band that you had with, together with Johan and uh, Antonio yeah. and uh, Ricky, maybe? No? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And we, we recorded two songs, and one was Girls with Guns, and the other one was like some weird, uh, I don't know, uh, tribute to this white trash TV series that you probably know the name of. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's the Canadian uh, shit? Trailer Park Boys. That's right. The Trailer Park Boys, which I, to this day, I've never seen an episode of. But uh, Antonio, no, you and the you... tank were really loved it. Uh, so, of course, we had to do yeah. that. <laughs> shit Blizzard, it's called. If you find it on the internet. <laughs> I remember the chorus now. Shit Blizzard, the Blizzard for you. If you got a gun, it's meant to be used. It better be yeah. used. <laughs> what was and then da 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 fucking hell I'm sleeping in the trucker <laughs> <laughs> yeah Terrible. yeah something for Patreon this I think <laughs> I, I did check out uh, that series because they were raving so much about it but I can't say that I really got into it Canadian humor <laughs> I'm not sure man I'm not sure about Canadian humor not a hundred percent sure there but it's definitely you know it's cult it's cult classic. And I have to add to that, yeah. that, uh, that once uh, a bass player from another band, he was going to go see a live show with these guys. Uh, and then his, his date for the night couldn't make it. So he gave me a ticket and I went and saw Trailer Park Boys live. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, it wasn't bad. It was pretty good. Okay. I had a lot of fun. And they started out with just filming with a GoPro backstage where they were smoking bongs in, in, in Stockholm. And they just put it on the big screen. <laughs> Was it in Globen or was it? Yeah, it was in Globen. <laughs> no, it was yeah. the, the biggest venue in Stockholm. Yeah, was, I mean, it was like a part of it, you know, a partial uh, <laughs> yeah, arrangement. Yeah. That's a fun oh, little tangent okay. there, Trailer oh, Park geez. Boys. You may or may not be a fan, dear listener, but uh, uh, I'm no. on the fence. Actually. Anyway, uh, bringing back to what we're talking about, uh, Clutch, um, Tim Salt, uh, he also got like... Um, uh, uh, someone to riff against for uh, a while there Clutch got themselves an organ player that was really really good yeah Mick I think it was called or Mike and uh, he was he also brought some intensity you know with his uh, uh, sweeps over the whole uh, keyboard uh, really a bit more flamboyant than um, the guitar and bass pillars yeah. uh, but that I think on live when we saw them that looked really good um, you know like you have Neil in the middle you know like he's kind of also kind of laid back he's not overly expressive with his body more with his hands maybe and gestures but he, nice. it's not like he's bending over like some um, uh, slip knot he's, he's not David Lee Roth <laughs> you know he's not doing oh, also, also in, in not David Lee Roth <laughs> but his intensity in his uh, eyes now he's somewhere in between David Lee Roth and uh, what's he called the singer from Slipknot uh, Corey yeah, Taylor yeah so he, he's not like any of those guys but no. um, yeah still good but then you have Sean Paul beating the drums and uh, the pillars uh, the pillars of the community and then you have the organ player I think to the left yeah. of course yeah uh, right on stage but uh just bringing it and uh yeah i think he was really good and they they fired him and i also read now that he died last year oh, which sad, is really sad sad, sad. r.i.p to him but uh, yeah. I, I remember him fitting in quite well with the band because he didn't look like uh, you know your typical rock organist uh, with no. uh, manchester i don't know manchester jacket and long mustache or anything he was this kind of skater kid i remember like sitting there mm. with his baseball cap 
or um, yeah, I think something like a baseball cap and you know just and playing off and uh, and he fit in really well with the band. I was super bummed when they stopped playing with with keyboard. As I saw Clutch a few times, maybe six times, I think. But the last six time, times, yeah, well, four at least. The last time I saw them, they had a, an organ player again, uh, like um, from Dalarna, the county of Sweden, Per Viberg, who will definitely mm. be addressed uh, again in Gainet for Riffs because uh, we're fans of this guy, right? We're fans, totally. I have to practice my uh, organ. Yeah, great to see him with Clutch. Uh, that was amazing. It was the last time yeah. I saw them, so that was a fitting last time, I would say, because it was mm. almost as good as when we saw them in the Baser, as addressed in the yeah. Untombed episode. Yeah. No, very good. I mean, we um, we were really into this band. I mean, obviously, we started a cover band, and we uh, we just uh, played their music on parties and made everybody dance to Cypress Grove. I made like a fan tribute film for that. It's still on my Facebook, I think. I haven't hidden it. You can find it. It's from... Uh, 15 years ago, yeah. <laughs> Definitely go have a look. Oh, yeah, you made this great <laughs> film with like this reel of old, like, um, Nikon Cool Picks short movies to that song. Yeah. I remember now, yeah. it was like a, a favorite in the, in the Friends group. It was a feel good yeah. movie or whatever you would call it. Feel good music video. Yeah, but I like that. I, I don't know, this was from the time when people didn't mind if you tagged them in the in the vi- in the video or in a in a photo or in a post i mean nowadays people get mad uh, nowadays I no one tags uh, right no one really tags no at least not on facebook true but i had, the, had a, this idea that okay i, I want to make something for my friends so i made this video uh, with the song and i think it was really fun and also from from really really old footage so it was already 5 years old or older <laughs> Yeah, and when I ask you about Electric Worry... It's, Electric it's, Worry, yeah, sure. It's based on a on a blues song, I know, but I forgot the title. Something with like, mm. no woman blues or women trouble blues or women worries or something. And then when Neil adapted it to electric guitar instead of this old... Um, you know you know how they sound, this old Delta blues type uh, super acoustic guitar. He, when he adapted it to um, electric, he named it Electric Worry after the original song. And I think um, part of, parts of the lyrics are his and parts of the lyrics are lifted straight off the original. But I can't yeah. remember which song it is. It's a Muddy, Muddy Waters song. Okay. Um, uh, Trouble No More, which is, uh, I think he really changed because... Um, or it's a partial cover, maybe. Uh, because, uh, what are they called? Uh, All My Brothers also does uh, do uh, Trouble No More, and it's really different. So I think he was mostly uh, uh, inspired by it. Uh, the song also has uh, a, a harmonica part uh, by this guy, Eric, from Five Horse Johnson, which he, he was also alive. He played live with them when I saw them the first time. And he came in for that song, and it was really, really nice. I remember he was like way taller than the other guys. He was like a hulking beast of a man, as they say. And he played the harmonica and it was really like, it can, we can really bring a song to a new level with the harmonica. Uh, a harmonica is such an effective instrument for, for its small little size. Definitely. You can really make it like sound like a full-on organ. Like, uh, you know, it's a huge sound if you play it well. I've tried and it's difficult, man. I don't even understand it. Like, where, <laughs> where, how does this function? Is there a difference between the different holes? I don't know. Yeah, I don't get it I at all. Know. I don't get it at all. Uh, I, think, I think you have to have several... Uh, 
harmonicas you know in, in, keys, in yeah. they have to be in different tunings otherwise it doesn't work but so it feels like Ozzy Osbourne for example he never thought himself to play harmonica he p- picked it up and then he could play it you know it's yeah. that kind of instrument that you feel like no one te- no one teaches themselves to play it you just know it or don't I don't know. Ah, but, uh, yeah, you you say that about uh, people say that about Bob Dylan also. He he'd play more harmonica than people wanted to hear him play harmonica. You know? <laughs> it's part. But of I the also sound. thought about. It, but, well, I was thinking about him before about uh, Ozzy Osbourne before when you talked about um, how uh, Tim Salt and uh, the bass player Dan, he's <laughs> yeah. probably not called, how they got into this style of just standing still. You know, like someone. It, must have told or also must have asked someone like oh so yeah i can sing but what do i do on stage and they're like yeah you you walk around and you clap your hands <laughs> that's what he do, did yeah. for the rest of his career so strange all this straight stage demeanor i remember <laughs> yeah. seeing them uh, when i was 16 15 16 with the original lineup which was cool but i was mm. surprised like doesn't he know better how to move on stage after all these years <laughs> like this looks like it's the first time he's on stage. It didn't sound like it, but it really looked like it. Like, <laughs> and then he comes out with this bucket of water, throwing it. Like, is this is this a show? <laughs> but I love Tony. I love Tony Iommi on stage. I think he's he's kind of doing the the Tim Salt thing, but he with so much more power. He's like he's like this menacing phantom blottare. Like <laughs> the, the phantom flasher in the background coming with his flash coat. Yeah, I mean, he looks like a, a flasher before he flashes. Like he's just evil and it's just feeding the riffs into the PA. We have to post that uh, picture of Black Sabbath from uh, Live Aid uh, with uh, yeah. I, uh, Tony Omi's uh, 80s look with these glasses and these fantastic uh, fringed uh, jackets. Wow. Uh, hey, I think we talked enough about Clutch uh, for the last hour or something like that. Yeah. And I got really thirsty, so I'm actually going to get myself a beer, uh, which I've been saving up uh, for, for like 20 okay. episodes. So this first finally, time. But, finally, um, Ole, finally, Ole I'll, I'll see you in uh, 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, if you know a Clutch riff to play us off, please do it now. All right. Yeah, dear listener, I'm not going to play a clutch riff. Instead, I'm going to warn you that uh, Ole has not been drinking for quite a while. So I think this is going to go straight to his head. And I mean, I'll just take the responsibility then, I guess. If he's under the table, I may continue riffing for you guys. And I'm also going to go get a beer. It's Friday after all. We we uh, yeah, they're listening. We always uh, record on Fridays. That's a that's a tip if you want to do a podcast. Uh, if you want to have a great start of the weekend, record your lovely podcast before. Yeah, no, I also went and got a beer. First, I moralized over over you, and then I got a beer. So <laughs> did you moralize? <laughs> yeah, first I moralized like Ole is not used to this. It's gonna be a problem. He hasn't <laughs> been drinking for twenty weeks. <laughs> All right, mm. so skål, yeah. I guess. Yeah, skål. Uh, First time on the pod, 20 episodes in or something. That's healthy and good for, for mm. northerners. Northerners, normally they start drinking immediately when they start podcasting. <laughs> it's yeah. actually true. Uh, most of them do. I've been listening to uh, a podcast uh, about the Swedish um, forum 
flashback and they get fucking pissed you know like early in the episode mm. they can hear them opening um, cans uh, it's the first thing you hear and they just <laughs> hand me another beer and then in the end they're quite <laughs> drunk um, yeah I don't know I, d- I don't really want to go for that style no. Although when we do something special, maybe it's fun. I mean, I often, <laughs> I often get just uh, dragged along. If you're drinking beer, um, like yeah, we did in the, the, the Metallica episode, I also felt like I am getting, I'm, I'm feeling something, man. I'm feeling something. To be clear, when I do this pod, I drink normally one or two maximum, and they're 3.5%, so they're quite yeah. weak. But in the Metallica episode, I drank five. <laughs> Funnily <laughs> enough, the effect was shown on you. You got yeah progressively drunker. I was the same all the episode, kinda. So yeah, that was fun. And I'm gonna soldier on. I'm gonna continue. Nice. It's I, nice that we ended on Tony Ayomi because he's such a good segue to go into my riff. Not that he's oh, involved really? in the riff at all, but he's like, let's say, a closely related to this riff mm. in at least one way. At least one way. And it's a classic riff that I haven't played a lot. And now with my mutilated finger, I. Couldn't even practice it before, so I just uh, hope that I can play it. Ah, I'm hyped. Yeah, here we go. you know what nice. song is yeah i mean a few th- there's a few songs that you recognize the first note and this is one of them and i was i felt so good holding my heineken which is basically piss water but still and like just uh, yeah. pumping my fist in the air uh yeah. now the horns come out and uh yeah it's a holy diver by dio by dio from 1983 that one i had mm. to look up because that was surprisingly early too same year as Peace of Mind, you know, it's kind of, it's still the new wave of British heavy metal. <laughs> like, the mm-hmm. new wave is not old yet. However, Dio is not British, but... No. and uh, uh, Italian-American. <laughs> actually, we can start there. Like, Dio is now heading in for a solo career. We talked about him before in Sabbath, we talked about him in Rainbow. And he's mm. out of both bands, and he wants to do something new. And he, he can't, he's, he's gotten used to working with British guitar players. So he tries American guys, and they don't work for him. Like, they're too flashy. Maybe they're uh, <laughs> jumping on stage like David Lee Roth or something. So he he goes for for a global search and ends up with Vivian Campbell from mm. I do believe uh, the British Islands, but not England. And so shit, I'm gonna have to recommend <laughs> myself on that one. But you know, maybe Vivian maybe sounds Scottish. more like he could be from uh, Scotland. Yeah, maybe Scottish. Let's or hope Wales. So. Maybe he's, or or he's Wales. Cornish. Or Wales. I don't know how uh, you speak Cornish. Cornish. (laughs) Yeah, he speaks a bit like that. So, and and I think it was in between him and John Sykes. And John Sykes is, you know, 
famous guitar player has been in, mm. in many bands and is like a, one of the all-time greats. But Dio went with the, the unknown kid, which I think was a good choice oh, because yeah. he has a very different style compared to, to the main gamers, so to speak. And uh, I mean, Holy Diver, what could you say? The riff is by Dio, I'm quite sure. He wrote like most of these theme riffs for, oh, for yeah. the first couple of albums. He's a good songwriter. Like, just like Bruce Dickinson and Iron Maiden, he riffs when he writes songs. And mm. as you know, as, actually, as you told me, you were the guy that told me the first time he was the bass player in Elf. So he, he still picks up the bass. For example, when he writes together with Tony Iommi, there are these two guys in the studio with bass and with guitar and with Dio's voice. What a good songwriting setup. <laughs> I would love that songwriting setup. Dio with a bass. <laughs> And then just sit there and riff. Oh, Tony is a lucky guy. But, I've been um, thinking about that um, actually. We talked about the other day uh, how important the bass is, uh, also in in songwriting. And uh, if you're yeah. a guitar that uh, you, if if you are a guitar, if you're a guitar player and you're doing <laughs> all the riffs yourself, and you want to get like cram everything into your playing, I mean. You kind of forget mm -hmm. that the bass also does a lot of the work. I mean, you don't have to play the whole chord. The bass can also take like part parts of it, yeah. uh, the tonic or Surely. anything really. And you can really play around with that. And I think writing a song, uh, if you're the guitar player, if you have your bass player next to you, next to you, next to <laughs> next to you. also happens to be Dio, uh, who is uh, always good and never bad. Um, always I mean, good, never bad. Then you're, it's so good. It's such a epic uh, collaboration. Yeah. And I mean, uh, to get back a little bit to Holy Diver, there's another cool riff too, but I never played it. I just looked at it mm. before we started. It has these kind of nice. major chords picking like, uh, like this. I forgot the tempo of it. But anyway, most of it is centered around just C minor, which is interesting in itself. Because normally when you hear this standard type heavy metal riffs, like... They would be in E normally, you know, like... But that's really weak for this riff. Oh, yeah. So the effect of him moving it down to C is kind of this effect that you could see in, in way later bands, like in Flames, for example, playing a downtuned version of heavy metal. Oh. And that's the effect you get here, because C is the key, and man, it's pretty heavy. <laughs> Right? Definitely. I mean, you could you could even think that maybe it's downtuned. You know, it's uh, yeah. it's just like how you normally wouldn't play it, like you say, and it just gives this effect of being even more evil. Yeah. Uh, but is it related to his um, his his voice? Maybe his uh, his vocals that he rather sing in that. Uh, he or yeah, he sings uh, over everything, maybe. I think he could sing over everything. Yeah, I think it's got like a few <laughs> octaves going there. I don't know actually. I, when I listen to Dio, I'm so relaxed. I don't really ana do any analysis of his vocals. Like, okay, in which range is he or what's he doing here? It's just like it's Dio. I'm just gonna sit back and relax and enjoy this great singer. No, but you're you're also relaxed because you know he never, like I said, never he's fails. always good and he's always never good. bad. Always good. Like you could look up any old bootleg or anything from Dio on stage, he's not going to have a sour note. He's not going to miss a note or a beat. Actually, he changes them up, however. But I love that. It's like, that's good showmanship. He never sings Heaven and Hell the same two times. He's always, you know, switching the emphasis on the words, doing these little theatrical tricks, and even wrote a middle part for the song, and he wrote it on stage, you know, Jim Morrison style. 
like in the end he wrote the middle part with new lyrics like there's a big black shape coming over me and in the breakdown nice. of heaven and hell so yeah i mean do you what uh what the gem i mean we don't deserve him i mean for me we, we talked uh, we mentioned saint Rhodes, but i mean he has nothing on dio honestly Randy Rhodes has nothing on Dio. Ozzy Osbourne has nothing on Dio. Uh, he has a little bit, but I mean, as as just like a person that was alive, and yeah. I actually I saw him live. That to me is one of my best experiences ever. Like that I saw Dio live. Honestly, yeah, it's me like too. gives me so I, I get goosebumps when I think about it now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Actually, <laughs> my hair is standing right now. I'm, I'm so happy that I saw him live. I even I saw him with <laughs> Heaven and Hell, and I also saw him with his solo stuff two times. So. And at the time, of course, he was just Dio. He wasn't any any big thing, really, I, I, except that he was one of the best singers in the world. But now, since his passing, I really treasure those memories. I'm yeah. very happy that I saw him. Like, the the kids getting into heavy metal these days don't have a chance. Maybe as a hologram, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's not going to yeah. cut it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. hologram tour with Dio. I mean, I, he would have liked that. He yeah, would have I think it's okay. He, he, I think it's okay. He oh, would, sorry? As you say, I think it's okay. I've kind of, yeah, I've relaxed on the hologram thing. I'm not going to pay and go, but uh, I think it's okay. <laughs> but, yeah, and I think his, his wife is involved in it, Wendy Dio, and she mm. must have known him, or maybe she wants cash. I don't know, but I'm okay with it. Yeah, They can do uh, that. Yeah. But I did saw you, him in the we, flesh. Did you say his whole name? Ronnie James Dio. Just Ronnie James Dio, yeah. And uh, I mean, his background is interesting too. We have to touch on that a little bit, I think. Yeah, please. Like, but I, I don't know so much about. Uh, I, I just like enjoy this music. But if you know uh, more, a bit, please a tell bit. me. Yeah, paraphrasing from other podcasts here, <laughs> mainly oh, mainly Deep Purple podcasts. So shout out to, to Nate because he's he's like a very good researcher. He properly researches for his episode, unlike us here at Game Forest. And I think he listens on and off. So hello, Nate good to have you around to steal trivia from so <laughs> ronnie james dio started out in the 50s there's recorded stuff from him in the 50s starting with Oof. ronnie and the red caps <laughs> i mean not maybe not <laughs> releasing but there is like stage footage and recordings from 58 59 oh. with the ronnie and the red caps and his description of him starting is very interesting um i think he's a new yorker right mm -hmm. italian american like uh, pretty yeah. much uh, totally <laughs> and uh, he he, some, uh, he he retold the story in a nice way that I went into the big city looking for songs to sing on. <laughs> this sounds so vintage, right? This sounds so yeah. old school. Like I'm just going to the big city to find the cool mm. songs to sing on. I'm a singer. <laughs> yeah, but he oh, was yeah. looking for content, you know, as he we all do for nowadays. Yeah, yeah. And it was much harder those days. You had to take the, the, the bus or train to, uh, probably bus since this is the States, to uh, the big city and, you know, oh, yeah. rent a small apartment in, uh, what could it be, Queens probably or something like that. Mm. And, uh, mm. Start looking for songs to sing on and guitars to play with. And as we all know, it went quite well. Um, I think at first he was a player of, shit, I forgot which instrument now, trombone or tuba or... Trombone. Okay. Probably something like that. At least it was a big um, like um, brass instrument that he started with. And uh, he attributes a lot of his uh, vocal technique to that. Because Dio is a small guy, as we all know. And mm. uh, like he kind of exercised his lungs to work this big brass instrument. And uh, he could use the same technique for singing. So, he, I mean, he has the hugest voice. It's yeah. so big. It's so big and rich and also quite growly. Which is great for me since I listened a lot to like these, yeah, you know, death metal and so on around um, 
the millennia break. And then Dio comes in and it's like, yeah, this is this is pretty hard. It's a pretty heavy song, uh, singing. Like, oh, you know, he has, he's got that power in him. You've yeah. got the power! Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, maybe... Yeah. Um, uh, to take a little break in his in his history, I want to hear your first Dio memories because this is a band that probably got introduced to you early, right? Or a singer? Yeah. Where so my first, uh, my it started with the Humanizer by Black Sabbath, the reunion mm. record uh, between Underrated. Tony Iommi and uh, Ronnie James Dio, uh, which my brother bought. I think it was one of the first albums that we had. Uh, I he bought that one I think and Pantera and I bought the Roxette album I mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> now it's out uh, and uh, I remember she's got the look exactly and uh, we played it um, on an older podcast and I remember that I was in school and I played Doom on my uh, on the computers there and the, the so this riff. Uh, that I heard in the computer game was also on this album. And I mean, what the hell? That's exactly. my first. I mean, it's like the most, it's the most aggressive, growly uh, version of Dio. That's my first. An underrated album, I think. It's a very good album. And a lot of people mm. have come to realize that Mob Rules and Heaven and Hell are insanely good. And um, yeah. shout out to uh, R.I.P. to Martin Birch, passed away recently, produced those oh, two yes. albums. As well as uh, Rainbow Rising that we talked about before. But, uh, Iron Maiden, yeah, yeah, well, a lot of Iron Maiden. The yeah. Christian, the Christianize. That's another album. <laughs> the the Christianizer, the Humanizer. <laughs> yeah, that's another one. The is, Humanizer. Is that an album. <laughs> yeah, Vital Remains has an album called The Christianize with uh, Glenn Benton on vocals. Oh, Glenn Benton. The Christianize. The Christianize. The Christianize. <laughs> I love for you the boy at the glam. Yeah, it's like so a, like death metal with uh, neoclassical solos. Yeah, Oof. you might want to check it out or not. So, uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> the Humanizer is is uh, is a really good album, underrated. So check it out, and it's worth to bring it back because I, I do remember uh, from episode three when we talked about after all and the dead. Mm. Well, then I think that uh, my next uh, Dio encounter was Holy Diver because I I realized that this is maybe someone I should look up because I I looked in the in the sleeve of uh, the CD of the Humanizer and I was like oh who's this uh, who's this uh, uh, short guy it's a singer okay cool uh, who is it Dio oh Dio that means God okay that's pretty cool okay let's go check his album <gasps> there's a demon. Standing over the mountains, throwing and throwing a priest into the water. I have to have this. And then I bought that record, and it was just like Holy Diver, the first song. Wow, so good. Holy 
want to divert. What about its lyrics, its mysterious lyrics? Have you ever tried and decipher them or understand them in any um, way, shape, or form? I think so. Uh, but I think they're also really, they're really catchy. They're really good. You kind of remember them uh, after the first, uh, first time you hear it. Uh, it's not that sure. I don't think that's super common in most uh, metal music, but uh, I think True. Dio really crafted good lyrics that you remember. Yeah. Uh, how does it go? I don't. I don't, I don't want to sing this. I don't want to butcher this song. But maybe you can <laughs> yeah. sing it. I It'll cannot sing it. But uh, I mean, Holy <laughs> Diver, you've been down too long in the midnight sea. Oh, what's becoming of me? Coming of me. And then it's probably jump, a ride the jump. tiger. <laughs> Yeah, he's yeah, jump, so, jump. That's interesting because that goes back to Rage Against the Machine. He's, he's saying jump yeah. on, on the offbeat like the new metal mm. bands did. You yeah. know, way before. In 83, he's already doing jump, 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 jump. Yeah, yeah. and what, th that is a strange... Th maybe that's worth uh, going into because it, it's so specific. It's so, such a specific choice to do in this kind of music. It, it never heard it in uh, this kind of metal. Uh what is he doing there? It's really no, I agree. curious. I agree. It's um, it's showmanship. Showmanship, I think. I will, yeah, it was engaged. Yeah, I think it's a theatric, uh, theatrical uh, uh, flair that he puts on the song. That the jump, jump. It's really like uh, kind of yeah. What he's he's uh, you know he's singing about uh, whatever he's singing about. Yeah, I don't know actually, but uh, and. Yeah. Um, so the holy diver is jumping into the sea, but as we know from the cover, he's being thrown into the sea. So it's really like uh, he's being enforced. But it's really yeah, it's, it kind of some take on uh, the the witches. You know, you burn a witch, and uh, if she survives, you throw her in the in the water to drown with her oh, uh, yeah, bound in chains. And then uh, he, he yeah. twists the whole uh, subject with uh, throwing the priest or the reverend into the water instead. Uh, that's true. That's and he's a very eighties, very eighties looking priest, right? <laughs> Super eighties priest, with those, yeah. uh, with those uh, like Coca Cola bottle uh, glasses and and uh, that that look, that whole look of an eighties priest. But I did send you a link now, or actually a clip on um, okay. I sent on Messenger with the with the man himself, with the man himself talking about the lyrics yeah. of Holy Diver. Let's see if I can play this somehow. Yeah, and if you will uh, hear it. Well, Holy Diver actually is a, it's a, is a really kind of religious song. I mean, it's once again based from a religious attitude. I have a tendency to do that a lot too because I think that, um, especially the religion the religion that I grew up with, Catholicism, uh, had has gotten itself so far behind the, the current uh, uh, current method of of healing uh, because it's so steeped in the past that uh, I've always had to go with them for really teaching by fear more than teaching by love. Of course they teach by love too, but I was always afraid as a kid of the nuns, you know, the, the big penguins that were gonna like smack you in the head with a ruler, which is what they always did anyway. Uh, or the fact that, uh, you know, if you do something wrong, you're gonna go to hell and, uh, you know, you're gonna suffer terribly. And I'm like, whoa, I mean, give me a break here. What's going on? Uh, here's your God, he's, he's the, that man nailed up on a cross there, you know, oh my God. Again, it was so much more by fear that I, I just really divorced myself from some most of those attitudes. Uh, so anyway, the song Holy Diver is really about a Christ figure who on another place, not Earth, uh, has <laughs> of course. done exactly the same as we've 
uh, apparently experienced uh, or supposed to have experienced on earth dying for the sins of man so that man could start again and be cleansed and do it properly. So the same thing happened on this other far distant planet. And all the people on this planet are saying to him, you know, they're calling him the holy diver. Holy diver because he's about to go to another place, to another planet, another world to do what he did in the first, on this place, save people from, uh, from, from their sins or absolve them from their sins by having himself killed. And the people are saying to him, don't go, no, no, there's, you know, there's, you know innuendos of tigers and stripes and you know, uh, uh, hearts and being eaten and you'll die. And it, it, w it was meant to be, it was meant to show just how selfish humanity is. That this one form of humanity on this one world said, no, 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 don't go down there and save anybody else. Stay here. We need you. You're ours. That, that's what that was about. We're talking about religion, and we've talked to people uh, about religion on this, on this journey. And I'm yeah. All right. So, so that's it. Yeah, quite an intricate uh, little description there. Yeah, the definitely. Sci I wouldn't sci-fi theology. Which that, is, that's right? really nice. I like that. Uh, also, as kind of... Um, if he would have, I mean, what, what was kind of happening at this time was that uh, metal was, uh, you know, me metal musicians were being sued by uh, <laughs> yeah. Mad Mothers against Dunk Drivers. Oh, what is that song? Nah, but uh, about, uh, <laughs> yeah. from, um, uh, about, about the, for their lyrics, you know, the lyrical content that would uh, deprave the youth and, you know, uh, make them commit suicide and on and on. And then by having actually prepared uh, a story that is actually not it's about yeah mess messianic fig figure but it's not on earth it's in an alternate reality you know so yeah. he kind of uh, <laughs> he he, uh, he goes um, how do you say it uh, he protects uh, himself there I would say so in yeah, a smart way. It's, it's also like it's it's cool to just do it on another planet because then you you can tell the story more vividly or clearly without kind of taking any part, right? As you say, protect yourself. You're not like taking this side or that side. You're projecting it onto another mm. world. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. and I mean, I'm not sure how much of this is an afterthought because it sounds a bit like an afterthought, but I'm not going to criticize him at all for that. I really dig this story, this kind of Christ figure story and how yeah. it could actually happen, you know, I mean, in a fantasy world that you have someone, he saves... Um, this the main species of a planet, and he's he's the holy diver, right? He sacrifices himself for them, mm -hmm. and then when it's like, okay, I'm gonna have to head onwards, you know, I'm gonna have to <laughs> this this other planet to save, or there's this other race to save, and they're like, yeah, don't give a fuck about them. It's all about us. We need you. We want to keep you, and uh, yeah. I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting because they are stopping him from doing yeah. what he did to them, which is all of their yeah. existence, and it. That can translate to reality, I do think. That can translate right back to Earth and right back to this year. Mm. That, uh, you know, mm. you don't want to share. You don't want to share the Savior too much. You want to keep him. Or, you, mm. you, you know, I don't know. I can't say it better than Dio, I guess. Ride the tiger. <laughs> yeah. I have the feeling that the cover artist or the album took uh, the title to uh, very literal. It was like, oh, holy diver. Okay. And what do we want? We want the yeah, demon. Ah, he's throwing a priest in the water. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah, pretty much. And, and pretty Dio much. just really loved, ended up loving this demon that does the, the horns, you know? Um, yeah. I think it's called Murray. So much that he kept on using it as uh, his um, mascot, you could say, this unnamed demon. Yeah. Uh, but he also has, Murray. isn't, isn't Murray. Uh, Egypt, the chains are off uh, also on uh, this album, which is a uh, biblical. Chains are on. Uh, 
story. The chains are on, right? Chains are on. Yeah, okay. and the mascot Off is on. called Murray. The mascot has a name. It's Murray. Murray. <laughs> okay. Murray. <laughs> yeah. Interestingly Murray. enough, because I mean, our maiden has Eddie, and our maiden also has Dave Murray. Ah. Murdy Demon. Yeah, where were we? We're on the lyrics. <laughs> we only heard the riff song. once. The riff, yeah. Yeah, I could play it a bit yeah, more. Yeah, please. chord riffs in the tune of mm. in the key of C minor without deviating from the key at all and it's all these chunky power chords but I like the way he moves through the riff and uh, if you listen to it uh, carefully you can hear that um, the repetitions are spaced out in, uh, in not the most box like way there are some fl flares a lot of small flares in there and I can feel that this is a riff written by a singer I can just feel that mm. Uh, mm. I don't know how would you how would you uh, say that a riff written by a, a non-guitarist differs from a riff by a guitarist? Uh, but it leaves space uh, for the vocals. I think we talked about this, uh, or I mentioned it in um, in the dancing episode, because I think he also wrote a lot of the riffs, yeah. uh, especially in the, um, in the Misfits, but also, also in dancing. It's uh, like... You think about already. You're thinking about uh, the vocals, where they should fit in, where it needs some breathing room from. So there's not like an onslaught of guitar riffs, but there's really like, uh, yeah, here here is this, um, uh, here's the riff, but here's a, a pause. Now I can fill that with with vocals. But then there's also like, um, you know, the, you write different chord prog progressions. I think if you're uh, thinking about uh, the singing as well. Yeah. I think I was thinking especially about um is that the pre-chorus? Um between the velvet lies, there's a truth that heart is still, yeah. The vision never dies, life's a never-ending wheel, yeah. Or the pre-chorus, or there's not really a there's something in between, right? Because that, exactly. then it's like say holy diver, yeah. you're the star. Yeah. So there's um it's really interesting. It's interestingly written because it it has the pre-chorus and the chorus is the same thing, or the chorus is kind of in between the verse, you know? Yeah, like it's yeah, really no, interesting. I, 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 I talked about this with dancing too. We're going to dancing again. I guess they have uh, some similarities uh, in a way. Uh, I will get back to that, but um, the chorus would be like the one that you sang between the velvet lies, etc. But it's kind of this uh, the way of writing a song that the chorus is more a pre-chorus and then you drop into the verse riff, the main mm. riff, which is the hook. And also yeah, that's, that's where the, he sings Holy Diver, right? Yeah, he that, sings that, it. So the verse is the true. chorus. The verse is the chorus and the chorus is the pre-chorus, pre-verse. You know, <laughs> sounds more difficult than it should. 
when I'm saying <laughs> this. <laughs> I'm, I know that. I'm overcomplicating something that is simple and great. But uh, it doesn't have like a, a traditional chorus, no. Like a traditional pop chorus. It's more of a drop, you know. You kind of drop into the hook, you, uh, you which is a smart way. You tighten it up with that. No, you can feel something is about to brew. And then you just right back into the main groove and it feels great feels good it's a great song we did it in a we did it in a song also uh maybe we'll feature it later but uh in our song the bad bad dreams do you remember that uh the yeah. hook is uh, it's it's right after the chorus and it drops into the main riff and i think it's anyway i mean th- th- this happens in a lot of songs but it's a really nice way of doing it that it, it's uh, it's also keeps the flow of the song and maybe that's what yeah. you're getting for also because if if it's a uh, Riffmeister is writing the song, then it might be not a lot of uh, riff stacking going on, and then yeah, the sure. vocalist have to come in. Maybe Ossi Osborne comes in, hungover is like, okay, what am I singing today? Okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Dio does yeah. not work like that. He would never just mimic no. a riff, right? He's really taking his own spot there. It's funny with the comparison to Danzig. I follow this kind of stupid meme page. It's called uh, Squatting Slavs in Tracksuits. Okay. So it takes this whole Gopnik kind of, you know, uh, gangster uh, Adidas tracksuit uh, Slavic style and makes funny mm. memes of it, you know, also babushkas and all of that Eastern European culture, really. And <laughs> they have this feature sometimes like Justin Bieber after, after five years in Lithuania. And then you see this guy that looks kind of like Justin Bieber, but he's super worn out you know yeah. tired okay. from alcohol and and uh, and i guess um, poisonous air or something and i thought that you could put dancing there and then you could write dio after five years in lithuania because <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of a destroyed dio right yeah like, yeah yeah i don't know i mean there, there's two short superstars of metal definitely yeah yeah and he's he looks more worn out like he's been maybe living less healthily even though he's mm. more buff he still looks less healthy uh, i guess somehow i don't know that's yeah. a stretch <laughs> dio uh dio tiny guy yeah, very very small and uh, to get that resonance and that voice out of that small body like uh, tony omi said like couldn't believe what was coming out of his tiny body <laughs> yeah uh yeah I mean, and then also he was not allowed by some manager uh, to sing for a while in Black Sabbath. The manager said, like, I don't want a midget singing for Black Sabbath, which, you know, is incredibly stupidly said. I mean, that guy couldn't have had ears. If you have ears, like, who would say that? And uh, yeah. No, no, it's, uh, that's terrible. I was kind of um, uh, spreading uh, a little uh, pluck riff, a little pluck plucked riff throughout um mm, yeah. the episode because i was so inspired i wanted to play something from um dio and i just wanted to mention this song yeah uh, don't talk riff. to strangers love it uh, it's a beautiful song i remember this also when i saw him live and he played this song and everyone was singing along and it was just like it was so beautiful it's great fantastic yeah you gotta play the riff um, it's my favorite dio song it's definitely my favorite dio song uh, Hang on, hang on, hang on.
yeah. So good. And uh, also like uh, yeah. Holy Diver, it starts with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but this one more soulful, like <laughs> it's like uh, vocalizing in this yeah. hum. hum. No, it's Humming also another so another to get back on the hip hop moves, like the jump, jump. This is also a bit hip hop, you know, like shake, shake. But you do, you know, you do, you shake yeah. your voice, like mm, yeah, okay, works. You know, you know it that it works. And then you go, and this is my favorite Dio song. I think it's so good. And I think it's one of the first songs. I think he had it ready before he even had a single band member. He, he wrote this song, oh, re- one of the really? first ones. Okay. Yeah, and it's so good. And I mean, the lyrics are very cool. Don't talk to strangers because they're only there to do you harm. Don't write in starlight because yeah. the words may come out real. Don't hide in doorways. Real? You may find the key that opens up your soul. And don't go to heaven because it's really only hell. And then hell. With the, weed refer- <laughs> the weed reference, of course. He 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 was he's known to be have, have been a pot smoker. Don't smell the mm. flowers. They're an evil drug to make you lose your mind. Don't dream of women because they'll only bring you. Down. <laughs> and in this lyric sheet that I'm reading, they wrote down with 20 W's. <laughs> oh, okay. Down. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, good song. And it has this kind of... When I was younger, I thought that he was just preaching, saying that you shouldn't do these things. Yeah. It took, it took me quite a while. And I remember telling you that I realized, oh, okay, no, he's just saying that this is what you're told, but you got to explore life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you gotta try the flowers or, or maybe even speak to, to women even though they might bring you down sooner or later mm. so I think uh, that kind of that's, that concludes my segment on, on Dio and Holy Diver for, for this week you've got anything nice. to add to that? Ah, Dio um, I mean what, what, a, what a character like I said what a character what a man you know like I just feel good knowing that I went to see him that I was alive in an age where he made stuff, you know, because he, he seems such a fantastic dude, and he was always up for things like his his fantastic um, part in um, uh, Tenacious D, uh, this Tenacious D film. Yeah. That the rest of it's pretty boring, but his uh, part when he's coming out of the poster, ah, <laughs> oh, that's so great! It's just like oh, really cleverly written to his character. <laughs> Oh, Dio, can you hear me? Something like that. And then he comes in. Lost and so afraid. Teach you how to rock. Yeah, it's so good. (laughs) Like He was a huge fan of Spinal Tap. This is Spinal Tap as well, which was released in 81, I do believe. And he said it reminded him of everything he's done. You know, that's a kind of good self-distance right there. Like, this really reminds me of everything I've done, especially with Black Sabbath. (laughs) And uh, it's a great movie. So it's uh, yeah. Uh, props to Dio. Wait, uh, sorry, I have to I have to find just this part. Oh yeah. Dio, can you hear me? I am lost and so alone. I'm asking for your guidance. Won't you come down from your throne? I need a tight compadre who will teach me how to rock. My father thinks you're evil, but man, he can suck a cock. Rock is not the devil's work, it's magical and rad. I'll never rock as long as I am stuck here with my dad. (laughs) I hear you brave young jables, you are hungry for the rock. But to learn the ancient methods, secret doors you must unlock. Escape 
your father's clutches in this oppressive neighborhood On a journey you must go to find the land of Hollywood the, it, it, It's nice, it, it's nice uh, that they think of him Rather than, I think Jack Black has the, he's uh, right about some things, wrong about some things. But I think uh, when it comes to uh, like rock worship, I think he does a pretty good job. Yeah, hopefully we also do a pretty good job with rock worship. And if you think yeah. we do that, you can give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or tell other people about our show, which... Um, for this episode, it's, it's about to come to an end, right? Uh, I don't think I have much more to add. You've got anything? Um, and uh, I think that was really nice to talk about Dio. I got uh, goosebumps and also kind of, you know, yeah, it felt good. That was nice. Yeah, that riff really made its way back to my life lately. Like uh, one of my drummer friends made a very good cover of it on his like drumming YouTube channel. And then, uh, um, mm. yeah, I had, had an interview a while back and it was the first riff uh, of one of my interviewees. And it was the first riff he ever got into. Like it was his definition of a riff. And then I thought like, I, I really got to do this. If it's the definition of a riff for someone, you know, and it kind of works as such, I think. So, I mean, it had to be done. And I think clutch had to, clutch had to be done too, because we were kind of going there. So let's see yeah. what we bring out next week. Uh, might be completely different, might be similar. Looking. Do we have anything to play us out? Um, yeah.